brothers and sisters, friends and comrades, this is the PRC Show. I am your host, Paul Cooley, and thank you for listening. So, it is currently 73 degrees in Pittsburgh, PA, um, but it feels like 80. It's pretty warm out. It's a Monday. Haven't uh, done a show in a while because there's been a lot of balls in the air, if you know what I mean. I'm talking about moving from Harrisburg to Pittsburgh. I'm talking about getting a new job. I'm talking about searching and finding a daycare for my one-year-old offspring. I'm talking about buying a house and buying a lawnmower. You know, I never thought I would buy a lawnmower. I never really gave it much thought. And now I'm mowing the lawn. And I wouldn't be doing this. I wouldn't be buying a lawnmower if it wasn't for the kid. Because now that we have a little yard, I mean, who knows? Maybe I still would have wanted to mow the lawn. But you want to see him run around and play. Because then he gets tired and he sleeps better. So you can't have a bunch of uh, high grass out there. So that's kind of cool. Having the Actually, it's not really cool to mow the lawn. The first time I did it, I was like, you know what? This isn't too bad. This is kind of relaxing. You know, cutting the grass. You, it's a sense of accomplishment. But the second time I did it, or third time, I was like, you know, this is kind of a lot of work. I'm sweating here. Um, maybe I need to, a cold one. But uh, I actually have a little bit of a cold right now. I'm stuffed up. And I'm a little bit high off of uh, Sudafed. I mean, I'm not high, but I'm a little jittery <clears throat> and short of breath. So, well, not short of breath, but anyways, how are you guys doing? What's new? What's going on? Bernie Sanders is going to be our next president, which is good because I was talking to somebody the other day about my retirement plan. And I said, look, my retirement plan is Bernie Sanders gets elected. Um, and then we'll have, you know, a better Social Security system and uh, better retirement, and my friend said to me, unlikely, uh, and even if he does get elected, uh, don't look for dramatic changes, and uh, unless you want to be eating dog food when you're in your 70s, you better start putting more away in your retirement, and he's right, so I need to get on that, and uh, you guys should too as well. However, I just bought a house, and uh, it's expensive, you know, I'm buying shelves and stuff like that, putting those up. Um, but I'm pretty inept with uh, some home stuff. But I'm getting better. I put utility shelf up. That was kind of cool. Um, so today on the show, I am going to try to do something. It's going to be a little mini-series of the PRC show. I'm currently reading uh, Battle Cry of Freedom, The Civil War Era by James McPherson. It's like a huge bestseller. It was translated in a bunch of uh, languages. Um, and I want to talk about it. I'm not going to like, uh, I'm not a scholar, so I'm just going to like give my impressions of what's going on with the book. And I'd like to go through a couple chapters at a time and talk about it. Um, but it's interesting because you see a lot of similarities in terms of politics, what's going on today with race, immigration, uh, and just the divisive politics that happened back then that are occurring today. So there's a lot of similarities. Um, but before I get to that, what did I want to talk about? There's something else. Mm, not really. There's so many things that have been going on. Um, you know, baseball. That's going on. I do miss Harrisburg, though, which is... 
it's not surprising, I guess. You know, I could walk out and get a good cup of coffee right outside my uh, my front my front porch there. Well, it wasn't right there. It wasn't like there was a coffee shop on my front porch, but there was a coffee shop, you know, close to my house, and then there was a, a bakery, Italian bakery type thing, pastry bread shop, and I love bread. Uh, as me and my wife say, bread is the fruit of life. It's my favorite food. One of them. It's the best food, I think. You can eat it in all... It goes with everything. Um, but, uh... I'm working in an emergency department right now. As I was in... Harrisburg. And this one is definitely busier. It's not as laid back and relaxed as the other one. Although, the folks there probably wouldn't think so. Um, and it wasn't necessarily laid back and relaxed, but here they're really shuffling patients through. Um, everybody's great. I like the staff, uh, the doctors, um, the patients are nice. They're just so friendly. (laughs) Um, we actually don't have as many mentally ill patients that are coming through because it's not a crisis. There's not a behavioral health unit at the hospital. So I kind of miss some of those, those patients to be, be honest. I, I think I do well with those. Um, Maybe it takes one to know one. I don't know. Uh, but um, let me recommend switching subjects here. I'm all over the place. Let me recommend two Netflix shows for you. One, Jessica Jones, superhero show. Just watch it. It's good. The other is the documentary about Nina Simone, which I thought was... It was good. You know, she was a jazz R&B singer in the 60s Uh, but she started off as like a classical pianist and it's cool seeing her you know she was really great pianist and then they're like look if you could sing you can play in this bar and that'll uh, get you a steady job Um, but then she gets in it follows her career she gets in trouble later because she she's very outspoken civil rights person and um, that kind of hinders her her success. She had a song called Mississippi Goddamn, which is a great song. Um, she has a deep voice. Kind of almost sounds like a man in some ways. Then she had probably some mental health issues. Her husband seemed like an asshole to some degree. He pushed her career forward, but pretty sure in the movie it shows him uh, doing some bad things to her, and that's just horrible. Um, but I recommend the film. It's a, it's well done and, uh, gives you a good impression of the era and the time of what someone had to go through to, to be successful. Um, and just how talented she is. Um, another race themed show we're watching is the, uh, I'm currently watching is that OJ show, uh, the people versus OJ Simpson. And, Really, it should just be called, like, the Marsha Clark, Johnny Cochran show, because that's those are the two main characters, sort of, or Chris Darden, and uh, that Johnny Cochran, smart guy, uh, kind of really makes you respect him a lot more, and also makes you realize how, well, I'm not going to make any, I got to finish the show before I say it makes you realize how, um, but I think I would have acquitted, <laughs> even though we all know OG's uh, guilty. Um, it kind of makes sense, you know, the, their case, you know, racism, police manipulation, all that stuff. And Mark Furman, God, that guy, come on, buddy. 
Come on. All right. Uh, how are folks doing in Harrisburg? Anyone listening out there? You know, we're going to any minor league baseball games. I went to two Pirate games so far. Um, one was a win. I only went to three innings because I snuck in later. And then the other one, that was a joke, sort of. The other one, I was there with my kid for a little bit, and they didn't do so well. So I want to play a band here for the musical break, and then we're going to talk about the Civil War book. Um, this is a song by the group Mouse on Keys, and the song is called, oh God, I'm such an idiot, it's called, the word is A-O-M, so what is that, Om, Am, that's the name of the song, but when I first heard this song, it came up in my Spotify mix, I was like, damn it, this is the kind of song I would love to write or play it's like a jazz song, but it's a rock song. It's a math rock. It's almost like a metal math rock song, but there's no guitar in it. It's bass, drums, and piano. And I really, really love this song. I love the explosive drums to it. The I think percussion is my favorite instrument that makes... This is the problem with Brad Meldow. I think some of his early work the drummer was a little too jazzy i don't know he's got a better drummer sense but this song's really great it moves along high energy the keyboard the piano playing isn't um avant-garde or uh so much jazzy really it's pretty melodic and keeping with the tempo um it's a drummer percussion type song it's a great song so listen to this song um, love it. Buy the album on some service or listen to it on Spotify. The group is called Mouse on Keys and it is on their album. I can't even say the word of their album. Mechanic Phylum. P H Y L U M. Whatever that means, I don't know. All right. Here we go.
love that song. It's great. Okay, let's talk about the Civil War. It's so exciting. It's so fun. Oh, it's so great. <laughs> um, no, but it is very fascinating what's what happened back then. And uh, let me just preface this with saying, over the last year, I have been really following a lot of white nationalists. Um, I was once very interested in Scientologists and Mormons, but really Scientologists. And uh, because I find their beliefs so strange and so bewildering, I don't, I can't understand why anyone would be a Scientologist. And so this is all before the Donald Trump thing, you know, started. But I started following these white nationalists because I found a kind of like a friendly, charming, uh, white nationalist he calls himself an identitarian online and um it's so strange to me to be a white nationalist today in uh you know 2016 and you know these people are real they're white supremacists really i mean they're they think they're like hardcore in the belief that the white race is superior and a lot of them go back to like nordic they have like images on their twitter of like nordic and swords and stuff like that it's so silly but they're they're not pro-violence um i mean they're vulgar and they are very very racist uh but i never have felt any pride in the white race or i don't even feel pride in being a pennsylvanian um and so it's so strange to me to have that pride or whatever it just seems so weird and particularly interacting in the world when you meet assholes from every race and nice people from every race, I can never draw a conclusion that, oh, this person's a black person, so he's good or bad, or this person's an Indian, or he's good or bad. Um, I've met such, so many, I've met way more asshole white people, just because there's more of them, than I have black folks. Um, I've met my fair share of, you know, uh, annoying folks from all races, to be honest, but um to draw those conclusions it's just so weird anyways so um reading this book by james mcpherson it seems like some of these ideas it's a it's almost scary how some of these ideas are still kind of going on but he starts off the book uh really talking about the mexican-american war his first chapter is called from the halls of montezuma actually it's it's not like a audio playbook, but, um, and he says how, you know, this, the territorial expansion of slavery was like a big deal. Um, we all know the the civil war is about slavery. States rights is not the thing. I mean, and he really emphasized it like slavery at every turn, every political discussion. It was like right there for various reasons, but the Mexican American war was, uh, you know, it, changed Congress, actually, because the Whigs were so opposed to this war that um, a lot of them got elected in their opposition to it, so it, like, flipped Congress. Um, and this what he writes here. The discord generated by the Mexican War erupted 15 years later. The war was 1846 to 1848. Into a far larger conflict, whose foremost hero, Grant was elected president two decades later. Um, Grant, like, won some battles there. And what Grant actually said was, 
This was one of the most unjust wars ever waged by a stronger nation against a weaker one. He had the interesting things to say about this. So, like, you know, the questions I'd like to answer, I'm hoping this book answers, is, like, you know, what was this discord? Obviously, it was slavery. Was there other things involved? Was there a states' rights element? You know, it wasn't, was it income inequality or corruption or immigration? And I'm sure it wasn't environmental or gay rights or anything like that, or labor rights. Um, but what was the specific specificity of the discord? Why did it erupt in, you know, 1861? Like, what was the deal there? If you look at, like, Latin America and when all the slavery is ending there, it's all before this time, except for, I think, Brazil and Cuba. I think they're in, like, the 1880s. So why did it why did it erupt in 1861? And then what happened? Let's talk about the Civil War. I'm a little less interested in like the battles. And then what was the outcome? But you know, prior to the Civil War, you got two main parties, the Whigs and the Democrats. That's it. And you know, it's funny because Whigs is a dumb name for a party. Did people think it was a bad name back then? Probably not because they were obviously successful. There was some presidents. Um, actually, despite the stupid name, that's not why they dissolved. I mean, a wig is something you put on a bald head. Why would you name your political party that? But, you know, it's actually spelled differently. It's not spelled W-I-G. It's spelled W-H-I-G. Um, but, you know, they were a legitimate party. And they kind of dissolved in the 1850s and the Republican Party is sort of born out of that. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But there were four Whig presidents. Can you name them? I'll give you a minute. Name, just name one. Name one Whig president. How about William Henry Harrison, 1841? Who knows what he did? We're not going to talk about him. He was pretty pathetic as a president. He was only in office for 32 days. So, you know, sorry, buddy. You're not going to get a lot of books written about you. Maybe there are, I don't know. John Tyler, he's the guy that stepped in after him. He was there from 1841 to 1845. I don't know much about the 1840s. We're not going to talk about that. I'm sure we can find something interesting about it. But um, then you got old rough and ready, Zachary Taylor. He was uh, another guy, died in office. For, he was there for 17 months. He ate some like raw milk and fruit um, and then got stomach illness and died. I mean, come on. Uh, he actually uh, ate this raw fruit and milk. What is raw fruit? I mean, why does it why does it say that? Um, he was at a fundraising event at the Washington Monument when they were building it. It was still under construction. And then guess who finished? Uh, you know, guess who took over after him? Now you might remember this name, Millard Fillmore, eighteen fifty to eighteen fifty three. Yeah, I know. You're saying there's some real duds here. These are some real duds of presidents. You probably couldn't even name them after I just told you them. William Henry Harrison, John Tyler, Zachary Taylor, Millard Fillmore. Millard Fillmore may ring a bell because in that comic strip, Mallard Fillmore, um, you know, that it's like that political cartoon where there's like a duck journalist. He's kind of conservative. I think he's actually a very conservative viewpoint. But yeah, these guys are duds. Uh, Taylor, I guess, wasn't so much of a dud. He wasn't in office long, but... Um, excuse me. There's no, they're not remarkable, you know. But, uh, you know, that's what the people voted for. So that's who we got. Well, 
oh, you know, we're in my attic. And uh, so we might have a little more buzzing and more planes because I'm in the highest point of Pittsburgh where I live. Do you hear that airplane? Maybe not. Um, so that's who we get the people that everyone voted for, right? These presidents. But, you know, you got to remember, guys, women weren't voting then. Um, you know, they didn't have it so great back then. They did not have a great, um, blacks obviously weren't voting. They were slaves. Uh, they might've voted some places in the North. I don't know, but you know, not significant. And it's unclear that what the voter turnout among whites were and you know, how much did working class whites vote or could they vote? I know Jackson changed a lot of that stuff, but, uh, the party conventions in those days were real big deals. So... The primaries, I don't think, were is the, is the big of a deal. Um, I think McPherson says at one time there was like, at the convention, like on the 20th ballot, one of these guys got elected. They were just like, you know, establishment politics where, okay, who's it going to be? This guy and the, 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 the delegates just kept hashing it out and finally somebody got in. But in chapter one of this book, again, if you're going to read along, I'm sure you can find this at a used bookstore. Battle Cry of Freedom, the Civil War era, James McPherson. Please do yourself a service and pick it up. If only for the first couple chapters, which are exceptional. Um, chapter one, he, he doesn't so much talk about the Civil War, but he talks about, you know, what America's like then, uh, before the Civil War. Much different than today. And uh, what's really interesting is that you think about the white race. You know, race is a social construct, guys. Yeah, that's right. That's what I'm saying. Um, but uh, the Irish and the Germans, they're kind of relegated to what we think of as like Syrians and Latinos. So what do majority of Americans think of Syrians right now? That they're terrorists or, you know, Middle Eastern people are terrorists? Well, that's what people would think are the Germans. <laughs> um, the, the, most, the majority of the country is like British Protestant. And what do, you know, Trump supporters think of, like, Latinos? You know, they're uh, criminals, rapists, drunkards, and all that stuff. Well, that's what people think of the Irish. The Irish are sm It's really funny. they got these political cartoons of how lazy the Irish are and how they smell and how they take up all the social welfare benefits and they don't work. Um, and, you know, McPherson says there's... Ethnic conflict appears to be like a real danger. You know, you can see this from political cartoons and then like organizations and groups form. Um, and they're spending all their time hating on the German and Irish, particularly like slavery is going on. That's like an issue, too. But then I guess whites that aren't so much involved in the slavery issue, uh, they just like hate all these German and Irish coming over because they're papists. They're into the Catholic way of life. <laughs> they drink. Oh, there's like this temperance movement, too, that is like, you know, we need hardworking people to come to this country. And the German and Irish, they like to go to the pub afterwards, which is so interesting because, not the drinking part, but the Irish Germans, those are the two largest uh, ethnic groups of whites. Am I saying that right? So if you break down who... If you break down how people identify as white, the largest group is like 15% Irish and like 9%, uh, no, 15% German, 9%, 9, 9 to 10% white. Then it's like English, Italian, and Polish, follow that. 
Um, but these nativist group, which is, I think, a funny word, but that's what they were called back then. Um, they're akin to like white supremacy, but that's not really true because white race is sort of still forming, but I guess it's an anti-immigration group. And, um, you know, they're opposed to the German and Irish coming over. But it's also like, again, this this uh, element of culture and religion. Um, also, prior to the Civil War, there's this Second Great Awakening. Are you guys still with me? You fallen asleep yet? <laughs> I find this still fascinating. The Second Great Awakening is what I would call like an anti-intellectual movement, but it's like a Protestant revival. So it's like emotional, romantic, um, I don't know if it's so much snake handling, that might be some of it, but Methodism, there might be even a egalitarian, democratic, characteristic element of it, I don't know, and I'm not going to go into that, but, so that's like really getting popular, I think that Second Great Awakening is like 1790s to 1840s and stuff like that, but then you have the Catholics coming over with their rituals and all that stuff, really coming into conflict, you know, these people are different. I don't like people that are different. They do different things. They like a different sports team. They drink a different beer. I don't even drink beer. They drink different food. They have different cologne. Come on, people. People that are different are fine. Okay? Um, obviously, the white, modern-day white identitarians are like that, white supremacists. So, um, okay, what's the evidence for this? anti-immigration you got this group called the know nothing party the uh the um they're actually called the american party but it was kind of controversial to be a part of them because it still wasn't cool to be anti-immigrant so they said like i know nothing or whatever um so these guys are like we're trying to make this a great country these protestants and these germans are coming over here these good for nothing smelly catholics we don't want them but then you know slavery Slavery, slavery. Oh, good Lord, it's all over the place. It's always being discussed because the country's growing. So due to the expansion of America, what's going to happen with these new states? Huh? Is there going to be slaves there? Slavery has been abolished since 1807, or at least the slave trade. God, not, not slavery. Um, but, uh... So that's the reason for the opposition to the Mexican-American War. That's one of the main things. The Northern Whigs are like, we can't have this state come into our union, and then it's going to be a slave state, and then the South is going to have more power than us. Um, so there's a lot of arguments going around about slavery and the expansion of slavery, and it's all not moral. It's not like blacks are equal and they should be... I mean, there are those abolitionists, you know, and they're always beating the drum for um, equality and how horrible this is. But there are other arguments, too, that we'll get to. Um, but let's stop there with my ramble from this book so far. Um, let me read a little more, take some more notes, and uh, we'll get back to more talk about antebellum America, which, that's a weird word, antebellum. We'll have to, we'll define what antebellum means. And then we will, uh, sorry for the clicking. Can you hear the echo in this attic? I feel like I'm in the south up here. It's like warm, you know. Um, so 
All right, we'll try to do more podcasts. I always say that, but uh, I really do plan on doing more. And what else do I want to tell you guys? Let's take a quick little musical break. show hopefully soon i need to read a little more in that book um i do i am asking for suggestions um email me i'm just gonna give you my real email we're just gonna because i can't keep up it's prcooley at gmail.com prcooley at gmail.com i do have some i want suggestions for gardening and planting grass i am really bad at gardening and planting grass i think i have grass and i threw some seed down that was supposed to be idiot proof and you just take a rake and you rake up some dirt and just like water it it didn't look like it worked so um i'm gonna keep you posted on that and i'm also should i get sawed is that this is that the idea does anyone have a yard should i get sawed should i pay somebody should i try to do it myself um i do now have a lawnmower and uh i'd like to have a nice lawn something i could roll around in and um look at and like water and be like that's a good lawn look at that lawn and i'm also thinking should i have a garden maybe grow some potatoes or sweet potatoes or yams and something or like uh cucumber or uh cauliflower or uh, broccoli i don't know um all right uh, all right all right this is the prc show and thank you for listening Have a good rest of April. Put sunscreen on. on Facebook at facebook.com slash PRC show or follow us on Tumblr at prcshow.tumblr.com. All of these episodes can be found at soundcloud.com slash PRC show. Your host is Paul Robert Cooley Jr. Technological consultant, sound design, host curation, and music production is also by Paul Robert Cooley. Emotional support brought to you by the roommates of Salvador and Kate G. Executive producer Josh Ferris, all labors donated. Thanks for listening.